Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ and 1340 KYLT in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is Mr. Chris Callum. Chris is coming to you from his broadcast center in Cheney, Washington. Well, Chris, we have our final four. Should be two really good games coming up this week. We'll deal with that in just a few minutes. Let's get to the action from one week ago. Up first, number eight, Montana State, 42. Number one, Sam Houston, 19. What a game by Tommy Malott and that Bobcats offense. Yeah, it really was. Uh, probably the surprise of the weekend. Freshman quarterback Tommy Malott making just a second start. He's able to open up the Bearcat defense with a couple of plays over the top. And the Bobcat defense constantly harassed Eric Schmidt. They forced three interceptions. They sacked him four times. They hurried him all night. I think they had like 10 or 11 tackles for loss. The Cats scored touchdowns on their first four possessions. So that's really how this game you know, began in the, the big storyline. They were up 28 to nothing. Sam Houston did get a score late in the half to close to 28 to 6 and then the Bearcats scored quickly in the third quarter so you thought yeah maybe this is going to become a game again but then Malat hits another one of those over the top plays to Lance McCutcheon for a 62 yard touchdown and it was really over after that Troy Anderson led Montana State in tackles with 11 Daniel Hardy chipped in a couple of sacks he's just awesome to watch and they kept one of the nation's best offenses in check most of the night Isaiah Fonse was a workhorse didn't have a great yards per carry number but he rushed it 24 times for 105 yards and look Casey Keeler he said it in his post-game press conference he watched Tommy Malott along with the rest of the nation turn into a grown-ass man which he did and I thought that was pretty well said by coach Keeler but I don't like to question coaching decisions, but he said they played a lot of cover zero, daring him to throw the ball. And I think there's two schools of thought on that with a young quarterback, right? You either do that or you try to disguise some things. I think that uh, maybe trying to confuse him would have been a lot better with, well, man on man, see if you can do it. Yeah, because let's face it, Malat, you know, still has some work to do as far as the you know intermediate passing game and, and being able to read defenses. He's, he's inexperienced. Uh, so the plays he was able to make, you know, were 50-50 balls at best. He's, you know, he's throwing it up in the air, but he made good passes. I mean, they were they were fairly accurate throws. Even if he doesn't complete half of those, I think just the threat of that, once it was established that he was able to, uh, was going to keep Sam Houston State's defense in check a little bit. They had to think twice about loading up the box, perhaps. And at least their DBs had to be mindful of the fact that they don't have a lot of protection behind them. And so that threat should have opened up the running game. It didn't probably as much as Montana State wanted to, but they didn't need it any more than they had. Number two, North Dakota State, 27, the number seven seed, East Tennessee State Buccaneers, three. This was a nothing-nothing game at the end of the first quarter. If you're ETSU, you have to feel like, man, we're right in there. But the Bison just do what the Bison do. It wasn't a particularly sexy performance. They ran the ball, played defense, and they won. Typical Bison football game. Aside from the score, I thought East Tennessee State played pretty darn well. I mean, this is a, a tall task to go into Fargo and get a win. And it was an absolute defensive clinic put on them by the Bison. That's not unexpected. But, you know, it sounds as if East Tennessee State had a terrible offense. 
Tyler Riddell is limited to 50% completions for just 92 yards. He was 16 of 32. Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors, who are maybe per the, the most dynamic rushing duo in FCS, were held to 69 yards combined. And the scoring, like you were pointing out, you know, it didn't occur until the second quarter. And at half, it was still just a 14 to nothing game. Heck, you know, well into the third quarter, it was still only 20 to nothing. So I think Essence State played well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They just struggled to do anything on the ground and head coach randy sanders retired early this week so the head coaching job at etsu is now open and the cupboard is certainly not bare there in johnson city tennessee number three seed james madison 28 number six montana six chris it's hard to lose your starting quarterback and your best wide receiver in the first quarter and expect to beat a tough james madison team on the road yeah, with few exceptions, you need all your all of your bullets in the playoffs. You're on the road, and you're playing a number four team. I mean, or number four seed. You know, so you were hoping that both teams were near full strength, and that wasn't the case. Cam Humphrey, Sam Akem both went down in the first half. The Chris struggled on offense the rest of the way. Backup Robbie Patterson seemed to provide a little bit of a spark. Rushing ten times for sixty-four yards, you know he was fired up, and and uh, I think he played fairly well. But he could do nothing through the air, and he was picked off twice. For the Dukes, it was the Cole Johnson and Latrell Palmer show. Johnson went seventeen of twenty-four for one seventy, pair of scores, no mistakes. He uh, hit a slant to Devin Ravenel. Uh, early in the game that went for 82 yards, so it loosened up the, the Grizz secondary a little bit. Palmer had 170 of JMU's 217 on the ground, including a touchdown. That's kind of a theme we've seen as backup running backs really coming in to the fold and playing well across the country. Humphrey started the game well. He led the Grizz on drives of 52 and 44 yards, resulted in three points. So, you know, what could have been maybe? We know of Montana's offensive woes in previous games without Humphrey. They're just not as good of a team, but perhaps the game would have been closer if he had stayed healthy. You know, I was thinking the same thing. When I was on the sidelines at the Eastern game, Cam Humphrey's got an NFL-type arm. The guy's got a cannon. And then you replace him with a fellow who did pretty much what he did when he had to play. You were right about Patterson coming in and giving him a spark. Look, I still think if you get Bobby Houck and you ask him, are you ahead of schedule of where you thought you would be? He would probably admit to you yes. What do you think? Oh, I, knowing Bobby Houck, I would say he they, they are right on schedule. <laughs> that that tends to be his 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 uh, way of answering questions. South Dakota State, thirty five, the number five seed, Villanova, twenty one. A tale of two halves here. There was some talk about play calling with the Jackrabbits in their game against Sacramento State. I don't believe anybody has any questions about it this week. What a dominating performance in the second half by the offensive line for the Jackrabbits. Oh, man, it really was, and it truly was a tale of two halves. The Jacks trailed 21-14 to 14 at intermission, but just an absolute dominant third quarter on defense. Touchdown drives on three consecutive second-half possessions to take control of the game. The big difference in the game came down to rushing and stopping in the run where South Dakota State outgained the Wildcats 266-107. to 107. Isaiah Davis is having a monster postseason. Uh, he had a huge game here, filling in for Pierre Strong, who left the game early with an injury. Davis goes 174, three scores, and just 25 carries. And then, you know, for Villanova, uh, you know, everybody eventually is going to have their career end. Linebacker Forrest Ryan had an awesome game in his final one for the Wildcats. He had 21 tackles. And I think with who we have left in the field, Chris, I think we can put to rest the talking point from people who generally ignore FCS all fall that the teams that played in the spring were going to wear down in the end in the fall. Don't you think so, sir? 
Well, the, the announcers in the Sam Houston State game, they may feel a little bit different. But, yeah, I think most of us that follow it, uh, you know, look at that as yeah, – I, I mean, it's it's a factor, but there's so many other components to, to success. And, and, you know, there's certain players on, on every team that wore down, you know, and by the end of the season were beat up or, or maybe weren't even available to play. But for the most part, that's going to happen in a season anyways. It's just a matter of timing and luck. You know, and to win championships, you've got to have some luck. Well, you mentioned that a theme around the country was backup running backs. Fresh legs, right? Everybody's beat up this time of the year. Everybody's maybe a half a step slower. So you have guys who are maybe a little bit fresher coming in, and they've been a factor all across the country, just like you said. Yeah, you know, and in the teams that have great offensive lines, you know, that makes a difference too. Although I, I'm noticing, it seems like the the level of talent in the running back position in FCS, I think, has improved. I think you see just a lot more athleticism and speed. And I think in the past, you know, it was kind of more of a plug and play. You sure you had some great talent, but you had awesome offensive lines where you know, shoot, even I. Well, maybe not me. But uh, most anybody could run through the hole. Now you're seeing players, running backs, create plays, making people miss. Uh, So it's definitely a combination of both of those factors. We'll be right back right after these messages from our local sponsors. Way more to come on this episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Coming up next, I'll sit down with Mr. Zach Mackey, the play-by-play voice for the Montana State Bobcats. Later on, Mr. Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, will join us. We'll preview the playoff games taking place today and the Celebration Bowl, and we'll wrap up the show with the pick segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by the voice of the Montana State Bobcats, Mr. Zach Mackey. Zach, sold out Bobcat Stadium in the national semifinal. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it's already, you can kind of feel the buzz around. I know athletics and around the football facility is an exciting time right now. And uh, it's really, really cool that you're not only in the semis, you get to do it at home and an opportunity to do it in front of the, the great crowd um, that we're going to have in Bozeman on Saturday. It's really exciting. Well, I'm super pleased that I'll get to be there. I've been over there for ball games a few times, but never a national semifinal. I expect that place to be lit. There are a lot of guys who are day-to-day on that Montana State football team and who isn't day-to-day, right? Are y'all getting folks back this week who have been out for extended length of time? You know, yeah, it's one of those things uh, to where it helped that this game's on Saturday. You get that full week instead of the Friday game like uh, we didn't know until – you know, what exactly it was going to go. I'd say it's one of those things I've found that um, a lot of teams obviously uh, played in the spring. And this South Dakota State team is one of the teams that played in the spring. It's going to be their 23rd game in, in the matter of less than a year, I mean, which is quite crazy in, the, in terms of college football. But um, what I also will say is that uh, a lot of those guys – um, you know, have been bruised around. And, and if there's any will to be able to go, they're going to be out there. Uh, the two guys that um, probably most seriously went down were, were Ty Okada and Chase Benson. Uh, Chase, I know, was a little bit more, maybe uh, more so um, invasive than what uh, we maybe thought. I, 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 Coach still doesn't know his status as of if he's going to be able to go or not. Ty Okada, if there's a shot, he's uh, he's going to be willing. He got banged up in that Montana game, 
came back that uh, two weeks later after the bye, it was that same shoulder injury that's kind of been nagging him the last couple of weeks. So uh, both those two guys been out of practice. Um, I wouldn't say that they're 100%, but yet I would say that uh, if there's any chance, uh, they're going to be going. Well, look, this is two defensive line groups that run about 10 deep, and that's rare in the FCS. There's depth on both of these teams on the defensive side of the ball. I think Rylan Ort did a heck of a job for you last week filling in. Yeah, no, he he really did. He he's been really good at being able to fill in that the Missoula product has just come in and and really waited for his time. I know coach said, "Hey, we, you know, Ty's been playing really well and uh Rylan's been practicing as if he's a starter each and every week. He's been ready to be able to jump into that." Uh I didn't think, you know, in in the last quarter and a half that we had, you know, much of a change out of that nickel spot. I mean, Rylan was flying around, was making plays. It was good to be able to see and and you know, week one, I know we came out of the gates, and there weren't there weren't a lot of depth up on that defensive line. And coach, that was his big thing coming out of the Wyoming games that we've got to be able to build that depth. We've got to be able to get deeper, and uh, we've got to do a better job of of being able to rotate because if we want to have a long run, that's what it's going to take. And uh, you know, give credit to Sean Howe and the defensive line coaches who have gone with that, and uh, like you said, been able to go really deep, get a lot of those young guys in there and uh, been able to, you know, kind of help out when some of those injuries present themselves like they're going to every season. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Zach Mackey, the play-by-play voice for the Montana State Bobcats. Zach, what does Tommy Millat do for a second encore? The young man, I mean, he wasn't intimidated on the road against the defending national champions. That was a hell of a performance, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness, was it ever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> do the trifecta, throw for a touchdown, catch a touchdown, run for a touchdown is quite impressive. And especially when you're doing it, you know, on the biggest on the biggest stage against the number one uh, overall seed and the reigning national champion to be able to do it like that. Um, you know, Tommy didn't get a fair look probably in that uh, second round game with the wind was howling, didn't throw a lot of passes because of it. Really on either side, UT Martin couldn't move the ball much either because of it. So we kind of got to see what he's able to do. I mean, some of those balls that, that he put in there are as good of passes as you're going to see thrown. I mean, they couldn't have been any more pinpoint special. And anytime you can get the ball in the hand of, of an athlete, and that's really what Tommy is, just a, a really, really outstanding uh, athlete that, that is able to make plays, be a playmaker, I think good things can happen for your team. And, and that's what we're seeing out of Tommy Malai. I mean, that young man's like Neo. He's just different, right? No, he is. You know, and the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, coach got here in um, obviously in February and we started up with some coaches shows last spring. And uh, one one of the very first shows, the very first show we had, we had people submit some questions and someone said, how's Tommy Malat doing from Butte? And, uh, you know, at the time, I can remember me and coach saying, I mean, he he's doing fine. I, you know, I hadn't known a lot about him. And uh, coach said, I mean, he's, he's fourth on the uh, depth chart right now. You know, he's working his way. He's a young guy. Coach went around the state in May and said he went to Butte and he was getting heckled a little bit about why Tommy Malab was fourth in the depth chart. He said, you know, we got guys who have won division one football games in every other, in those first three spots and everything. And, and boy, you know, it's just one of those things when one of the, one of the athletes, one of the good players in there finds a way to get on the field. And that's what Tommy's done in, in the beginning part. And now he's got himself into a position to be a starter and, and to be 
uh, a quarterback for a team that's looking to go to the national title. Zach, we got about a minute left. Isaiah and Fonze can really tote the mail, but just like the Montana State defense, the Jacks defense is deep as well. I kind of feel like y'all were going to have to throw the ball to open up the run rather than vice versa. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's when I look at it, it's two teams that are quite similar. Uh, you know, two the tight end sets, throw to the tight end, run that ball between the tackles and that. Uh, but, you know, if you can get to the air and you can open up the field so much more, and, and that just does so much for your run game. And Isaiah Fonsa, I know he enjoys whenever you can complete a couple of passes, you can bring those corners off to bring the safeties back a little bit. And that's, I think, a critical part of it is going to be, yeah, I mean, there's no question, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball, you're going to have to open up the field, and you're going to have to be able to, to uh, attack them vertically downfield. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Zach Mackey, the radio voice of the Montana State Bobcats. Thanks for making the time, sir. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to meeting you there in Bozeman on Saturday. Of course. Thanks for having me. Go Cats. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. This is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA. We are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. Wearing braces on your teeth can be challenging. Flossing and brushing is frustrating at best. The patented platypus flosser and toothbrush for people that wear braces is the easiest and most effective oral hygiene device on the planet. Unlike traditional methods that are, well, just awful, your kids will actually use the platypus products because they are fast and easy to use. If your child wears braces, protect your investment in their teeth with the platypus flosser and toothbrush available at your nearest Albertsons and Safeway store in the oral care aisle. Platypusco.com. The holidays are here, and there's plenty for all of us to do. Shopping, gathering together, eating great food, spending quality time with friends and family, and donating time to give back. Renewal by Anderson would like to take a moment to thank the citizens of the state of Montana for their warm reception in 2021. It's been a great year, and Renewal by Anderson has had the opportunity to work with many great customers throughout the state, installing their new windows and doors. We humbly thank all of our customers and employees for their business and support, and look forward to serving new and returning customers in 2022. From everyone at Renewal by Anderson, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Curious about all that Renewal by Anderson has to offer, visit us on the web at rbamontana.com. That's rbamontana.com. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Renewal by Anderson. 
Stevensville Hardware, located at 323 Main Street in historic downtown Stevensville, has everything you will ever need for home improvement projects, farm or garden. From the smallest jobs to the largest ranch, Stevensville Hardware can take care of all of your necessities. Be sure to check out the Yellow House next door. It's a local landmark for all of your houseware and plant needs. Stevensville Hardware, open seven days a week, 365 days a year to serve you. 323 Main Street in Stevensville, stevensvillehardware.com. During the break, you're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. now time for the preview segment. But with signing day having come and gone, I think it's very appropriate for Chris Callum and I to have a discussion about the transfer portal. Chris, when you look at just, let's just take the Montana Grizzlies, for example. They lose their best wide receiver to Nebraska with a transfer before the season started. And now the FCS's best punter is going to Nebraska after one year. So are we going to see the FCS be just minor leagues for FBS football? And before you answer that, I think we should tell everyone that if you don't think every FBS team in this country has a coach who's assigned to do nothing but look at FCS game film to try to poach those players, you're nuts. Well, in answer to your question, yes. And your second point's a great one, too. I think that's absolutely happening 100%. And so, you know, this hit Eastern fans early on when we lost uh, Vernon Adams to Oregon. And granted, we didn't have the transfer portal then, but it was a similar situation. He was a grad transfer. And then we lost uh, Gage Guber to Washington State. You know, so we were... We were bitter about that. A lot of people made fun of us and were unsympathetic. And now it's starting to happen, you know, thanks to the transfer portal across the nation. And I think people are going, is this really a good thing? And I just, you know, Kevin, these small, smaller schools, the FCS programs, the ones that we love, you know, you've got coaches going out and sleeping on buddies' couches and spending countless hours once the season's over, during the season, even in, you know, at all, all times of the year, chasing down leads, developing relationships with young players, high school players and their families and selling themselves. And, you know, they're up against it because a lot of these kids are good enough to get offers from G5 programs, sometimes from from Power 5 conferences. And you're selling them an opportunity to play and or you're finding a, a diamond in the rough that everybody has looked past. You know, keep in mind, Cooper Cup had two offers out of high school. He had Eastern Portland State. So, A, you find this kid that's got potential and talent. And then, B, you invest all of this time into developing that talent. And it's not like there's very few times where these kids come in and they're just you know ready to play right out of the gates. They're not mature enough mentally. Physically, they need some maturation, strength building. And so you invest all of this time and resources. And it's not just the athletic program that's doing it. It's the entire university. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's pulled. And I just, it rubs me the wrong way. I think it's wrong. I don't, you know, and I don't think it's just wrong from, you know, our subdivision suffers from it. I think it's wrong across the board because, you you know, you're turning these kids into professional athletes. And I guess that's what they are now. They're no longer really student athletes. And, you know, I don't blame the kids uh, because every single one of them is entering a program believing that they're going to be able to play in the NFL. And a lot of their decision-making is based on the ability of that program to do so. And so obviously it goes without saying, you go to the FBS 
you get greater exposure. You know, what they're not told or what they maybe fail to realize is that those schools don't have a huge amount of loyalty as far as your playing time goes. So you might be the best player in your state at running back and you go to uh, University of Washington and you're in a class that has two or three other running backs just as good as you. And there's another two or three in the running back position that are already there. They're just as good. And you may, may never see any action, you know, but kids are going to take a, a shot at just for that opportunity to get the exposure and hopefully make it to the next level. So I just think it stinks across the board. I think that's why the having to sit out a year should have been something that was left in this whole deal. What do you think about that? Absolutely. It's the first thing I thought, at least give us that uh, because it makes them think twice. They're itching to play and anything can happen in a year. And, you know, and that's that's risky as well. I don't want to you know, philosophically begrudge somebody for, for being able to make choices and what's best for them. You know, especially since, again, they're not they're no longer amateurs at this point. They're they're basically professionals, just like you and I can leave our jobs and move on to greener pastures. They should have the ability. But there is a connection with academics and, and education. And so that that one year of sitting out probably stops a few of them from doing it. All right. We'll both get off our soap boxes and get right to the games taking place in the FCS playoffs this week and the Celebration Bowl. Up first, the number three seed, James Madison, is at the number two seed, North Dakota State Bison, 9.15 p.m. kickoff on ESPN2. Chris, James Madison seems to have rediscovered that running game, and Cole Johnson can really spin it. The Bison defense played about as well last week against East Tennessee State as I've ever seen them play. This is going to be a heck of a matchup on Friday night in the Fargo Dome. It is. And, you know, everybody's beat up this time of year. I think the Bison have some question marks in the injury department, probably more so than James Madison. James Madison seems to be getting a little healthier. So we'll see how that plays out. The programs, they're very familiar with each other. They have a history. There's very few mysteries. You're going to look for ball control, long drives, great defense, field position as keys for the Bison. I think JMU needs Cole Johnson. They need him to have another solid game. The Dukes did run the ball better last week. I don't think they'll have as much success against the Bison. And teams that have done well against the Bison are able to throw the ball and run the ball. And so you're going to need both. And he's got so much experience, and he's really had a great season. So I think he gives them a very realistic shot at at beating the Bison. Both defenses are excellent. We know that. They both stop the run. They both stop the pass. They're both top 10 in rushing yards allowed. They're both top 10 in passing efficiency D. The teams are also really good at getting opponents off the field. They're second and third in the nation in third down efficiency defense. One glaring differential is the Dukes average 281 yards through the air. That ranks them 16th in FCS. The Bison are at 151 yards per game, and they're ranked 110. Kevin, we've waited all season for the Bison to develop a passing game, and I'm not sure they have. I mean, they're definitely better with Cam Miller at quarterback, but I don't know if they fall behind or they need to make plays on third and mediums and third and longs that they're going to be able to as well as they have in the past. So that might be something to keep an eye on. But otherwise, man, this is just simply a heavyweight championship bout between two very talented teams, and there's just very few weaknesses. The Bison do get Christian Watson back, they think, this week. That'll help them stretch the field. I'm really looking forward to this one. And look, the Bison are going to do what they have always done. They're going to line up, try to run the ball, push you around, and it's worked for them almost a decade now. Let's see if James Madison has the antidote for that once again in the Fargo Dome. They've done it before. South Dakota State is at the number eight seed, Montana State. This is a 2 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on Saturday on ESPN2. 
can Tommy Mallott do it three weeks in a row? I've been in Montana long enough now to know that you ought not to bet against a kid from Butte. They are tough. They may not be the most athletic kids in the world, but Tommy Mallott is an athlete. He can do it with his legs, and he proved last week against Sam Houston State he can do it with his arm. This should be fun. So if you look at you know key stats, the ones everybody looks at, both teams play excellent against the run. The Cats have the better overall defense, though, due to the Jacks being 86 in passing yards allowed. So the Jacks at times have struggled against passing teams, not that Montana State is one. But the Jacks also have a better passing attack. And when the Jacks struggle on offense, it tends to be with teams who can stop the run. Montana State's really good at that. If you look back on the season, you and I, South Dakota State put up 62 yards, lost the game. South Dakota, they put up 134, lost the game. They struggled to put away University of North Dakota. They rushed for 129, tight game. So it boils down to if the Cats can slow up that awesome rushing attack, and I think they can. I mean, they're giving up 106 yards per game on the ground. It's not the best in the country, but it's pretty darn good. And the thing I like about their defense is they have excellent safety play. And those safeties, you know, can help and run support, but they also are very good at closing in on tackles and preventing big chunk plays. And in fact, they've only given up 177 yards on average through the air. That's a pretty darn low stat. The wild card, you mentioned it, Tommy Malott. He was able to connect on some vertical th- routes against a very good Sam Houston State secondary last week. I think that was enough to loosen them up. He wasn't able to do much over the middle. And with the intermediate routes, I don't think he has to. I think the threat of him throwing might be enough to keep South Dakota State's defense honest. And I think the Cats are going to need to, other than trying to hit things over the top, they're going to need a good running performance out of a Fonse and company. South Dakota State has the advantage in one category, and that is if they can develop an early lead. I don't think Montana State can play from behind very well. If South Dakota State jumps all over them early, then it might be a long day for, for Montana State. Well, look, Montana State's defense has only given up three touchdowns three times this season. And one of the times was last week against Sam Houston on one of the most egregious non-called lineman downfield plays you'll ever see in your life. The referees could have picked which group of three offensive linemen did you want to call for being downfield on that one, and they chose to call none of them. So I think that's something people need to like wrap their head around, that this Montana State defense, yeah, Tommy Mallott's been a great story recently, but the story all season has been how good that group actually is. Yeah, no, I think they're special. I mean, we saw it. Yeah, I saw it in person when they played Eastern Washington. They, you know, they harassed Barry Aid, kept him to his, his lowest passing yards of the season. They've done it to just about everybody they've played. And their front seven, everybody knows, is really good. When you have Troy Anderson back there and you have uh, Hardy rushing. and But, the, again, they keep going back to the safeties. They are excellent. And the corners are really solid, too, although they do take some chances. You know, so if a lot of can, can make some plays and maybe uh, some tackles can be broken in, in South Dakota State, as a really good wide receiver core, that might be a difference maker, too. But I wouldn't look for it. I see this as a low-scoring game. The Celebration Bowl, the South Carolina State Bulldogs versus the Jackson State Tigers from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, growing up in the state of South Carolina, I will tell y'all, there isn't a more respected college football coach in the Palmetto State than Buddy Pugh. Good defensive mind, has always surrounded himself with guys who know offense, and he's a great example of how to lead a football team. This South Carolina State team, they kind of started off slowly, but once conference play hit, 
they played very well recently. This will be a good football game from Atlanta. Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, the question is going to rest on South Carolina State's defense because Jackson State has a really good defense, you know, and, and their offense is good through the air. They don't run the ball that well. So I think that for South Carolina State, they're going to have to figure out a way to put up some points, and they've been okay with that. They're averaging 24.36 points per game, but they are also giving up 27 points a game. So they're kind of sideways, and that's due to defense, and you just don't see that with Jackson State. And looking at the schedules, Jackson State has pretty much dominated their schedule. You look at South Carolina State, they started out, albeit with you know some challenging games. Alabama A&M was a good team. They lost that first game of the season, and then they lost at Clemson and New Mexico State, so those aren't surprises. And then they get on a little bit of a roll. They win five out of their next six, and, and uh, they close out with a win against Norfolk State to arrive here. So they're not the greatest team to come out of the MEAC uh, over the years, but they're good. They're well coached. I just think that they're going to have difficulty scoring. And you look at Jackson State, I think they're going to attack through the air with Shadur Sanders. He's had a really good year at quarterback. He's thrown 29 touchdowns against just six interceptions. So I, th- I think Jackson State's probably going to win this game, but it'll be a fun one to watch for sure. With the Sacramento State Bulldogs, this is a team that, you know, they're like the opposite of Jackson State. They ain't sexy. They just get the job done. And one of the things that I think you're going to see, they're probably just going to blitz every down because Sanders, he's been extremely, extremely good, but he hasn't faced a lot of pressure. And I think if you're the Bulldogs, man, you get after him, get him off his spot and see what happens. Should be a great celebration bowl from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. News from around the subdivision. It was a Sanders family sweep. Jackson State quarterback Shador Sanders is the 2021 winner of the Jerry Rice Award. Jerry Rice Award goes to the subdivision's top freshman. And Jackson State's head coach Deion Sanders is the 2021 Eddie Robinson Award winner as FCS Coach of the Year. Congratulations to the Sanders for Shador winning the Jerry Rice Award and Coach Deion Sanders winning the Eddie Robinson Award. Southern Illinois' Xavion Fukron is the 2021 Doris Robinson Scholar-Athlete Award recipient. The Doris Robinson Scholar-Athlete Award is given to a football player who achieves on the field and highly in the classroom. Congratulations to Southern Illinois' Xavion Fukron for winning the 2021 Doris Robinson Scholar-Athlete Award. East Tennessee State head football coach Randy Sanders retired this week after leading the Buccaneers to two Southern Conference championships in his four years at the helm of the Buccaneer program. Happy retirement to Coach Sanders. University of Delaware Fighting Blue Hens hired Ryan Carty, a Delaware alum and member of a 2003 national championship team, as their new head coach. Carty had been under former Delaware head coach Casey Keeler as the offensive coordinator for the Sam Houston Bearcats. Congratulations to Ryan Carty being named the new head football coach at the University of Delaware. Southern Utah Thunderbirds hired a new head coach this week as well. Mr. Delane Fitzgerald was named this week the new head football coach in Cedar City. Fitzgerald has been the head coach of Frostburg State University in Maryland the last eight seasons. Congratulations to Delane Fitzgerald being named head man at Southern Utah. Don't touch that dial. Mr. Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, is coming up next right here on FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. 
Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find a Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful custom single-family and multi-family homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJCoulter.com. If you're ever in Traverse City, Michigan, stop into Brick Wheels, one of the best bicycle stores in America. You can enjoy that beautiful part of these United States on a bicycle. Road bikes, mountain bikes, fat bikes, even electric assist. And if you go into Brick Wheels and you say, go Grizz, go Bison, go Cadets, or whatever your FCS team name is, you'll get 20% off your purchase. So if you're in Traverse City, Michigan, go into Brick Wheels, talk some FCS football, get 20% off. BrickWheels.com. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. T-Shirt Launcher Inventor. Mr. T-Shirt Launcher Inventor. Not satisfied with standard souvenir distribution, you created a device with enough kick to dislocate a mascot's shoulder. Someone get a stretcher. Courtside, luxury box, upper deck. Your high-powered cotton cannon makes every section the nosebleed section. Hit the deck. So simple, anyone can operate it. After a background check, a training course, and a five-day waiting period. It only shoots t-shirts. So crack open an ice-cold Bud Light marksman of the mezzanine, because we know you'll give us the shirt off your back at 180 feet per second. Mr. T-Shirt Launcher Inventor. Bud Light Beer at Isaac St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Joining us once again is the play-by-play voice for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. And notice that I know you're not San Diego State, Mr. Tyler Merriam. How are you, sir? Very good, very good. You know, and those guys last week, I know you were in the booth on ESPN+. Plus. They almost made it. But on the outro, the guy called you San Diego State. That's got to be frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is, but uh, we're not the only school that deals with it, unfortunately. But, yeah, you would think by uh, by this point that you wouldn't have those deals. But uh, maybe if the Jacks get a couple more wins, that'll help you stop some of this. Who knows? And people think I get bent out of shape when people don't use the the, you know? So, but, but, but look. <laughs> well said. How's the health of this Jackrabbit team coming into the semifinal in Bozeman against Montana State Saturday? 
It's pretty good, actually. You know, I mean, you think back to what the Jacks dealt with during the regular year, and I know we talked about it some a few weeks back. They were down Isaiah Davis, who I think anybody that follows FCS football is well aware of what he means for the running back position. Down an All-American cornerback in Don Gardner, and down a you know an All-American and three-time team captain Logan Backus. So when you're missing those three guys for a majority of the regular season, two of those, and the third for a couple of big games, it certainly sticks out, and it was something they had to deal with. And so. Uh, so right now they're they're in a much better spot. You know, in the secondary they were a little dinged up last week. They'll get at least one, if not two, of those three back, and they are very optimistic. Pierre Strong Jr. will be available on Saturday, so they feel like they're in a pretty good spot. Coach Stig just signed a contract extension to keep him there in Brookings until 2025. How has the stability of that head coach situation helped that program for all these years? I, I certainly hasn't hurt. You know, when you look at what uh, John Stigelmeyer has meant to this program over the years. And even just before he was the head coach, just the fact that he was able to be here for so long, first as a student, then as an assistant coach, then as a defensive coordinator, and now, you know, as a head coach, he's done so much for so many years that he's a jackrabbit through and through. And so I think it's huge when it comes to uh, going out in the communities, you know, going out in the state, people know what he's all about. He's a known commodity. And I think even beyond that, certainly on a recruiting trail, you don't have to wonder if he's going to leave in the next three weeks, you know, which is an issue with a lot of places. And you know what he's about. You know where he's going to be. This will be his final job. And so I think that has to do nothing but help, whether it's recruiting, whether it's fundraising, whether it's just, you know, being out and about to here in the state. That Jackrabbit offense is going to have to be ready to go this week. Montana State, only three teams have scored three touchdowns on them this season. It's going to be tough sledding. I expect this to be a physical-type football game. Oh, I think so, too. I mean, Montana State is very, very good defensively, and uh, that's going to be a battle for South Dakota State. Now, on the flip side, the Jacks are really good offensively, uh, and so that's where it'll be quite a comparison of, of two teams that like to be physical. I think what stands out about Montana State defensively is it's not just one guy. I mean, certainly you look three all-conference guys up front, including a DN that can live in the backfield. You know, two terrific linebackers, and I'll quote John Stigelmeyer. He says, if you didn't tell me which one was the Buck Buchanan finalist, I don't know if I'd know for sure, because they're both really good. Of course, Troy Anderson is that one in particular, but Callahan O'Reilly is no slouch himself. Uh, you know, they got a corner with a pick in, in both the playoff games. You've got a, a very active nickelback that acts you know, sometimes as a third linebacker, sometimes as a true nickelback. To do a lot of things defensively as far as what they can bring to the table, but they also aren't overly exotic at the same time. They know what they do. They do it very well. And the thing that really impresses me is just the balance. You know, you see some defenses, Kevin, that are 15th in the nation because they're 33rd against this and 4th against that. This is a team that's top 15 in everything. You know, they're just, they're really good against the run game. They're really good in pass defense. They're really good at limiting your opportunities to score. They force a lot of turnovers, what, 17 interceptions this year. And then offensively, they don't turn it over much and they execute very well. But specifically, like you said, on the defensive side of the ball, this is not a game where SDSU is going to be able to score 55 points. It's just not. This is going to be a struggle. You get up into the 30s, either team, I think they're going to feel really, really good because it's just going to be one of those games. Your defensive line has been outstanding. They've improved each week that Jackrabbit defensive line has. And Dan Smith, the Villanova quarterback last week, even commented on how good that group is. 
Yeah, the defensive line is very good, and it's so deep, too. And I know you and I have had those conversations, too, about being able to go 10, 11, 12 guys deep. Here's a guy in Cade Tervere who made his first career start on Saturday, and he's been a beast in the postseason and had a sack and a forced fumble on Saturday against Villanova. Uh, you got a guy like Quinton Hicks who started half the year, went down with an injury, and now he's been playing off the bench and being a big factor. They rotate so many guys in. Caleb Sanders, you just you talk about what he brings to the table here's a guy who sees a fumble 15 yards downfield and he's running downfield and slides on it against Villanova. Defensive tackles aren't supposed to make plays downfield like that. And Sanders does. So that front four has been huge. And yes, it's the linebacking core that makes the majority of the tackles. And yes, you have that all American corner and Gardner that gets a lot of attention, but I've said it so often the front four, even though they don't accumulate a ton of sacks, the way the front four holds their own against the old line, essentially keeping the linebackers and the secondary's feet clean to make plays is really a significant part of the success of this Jackrabbit defense. Montana State quarterback Tommy Malak got a lot of single coverage looks from Sam Houston, at least yeah. early in the game last week. Don't think he'll get those this week. No, it was very interesting how KC Keeler, and he admitted it afterwards, the head coach of Sam Houston, he said, we were going to go cover zero, we were going to come after him and make him prove he could throw the football. Well, what he proved on Saturday against Sam Houston was he throws a very good deep ball. And obviously a guy like McCutcheon is a deep play threat that not many teams in the FCS have. And so we know Malat can do that. Now against UT Martin in his other start, he faced more traditional defensive approach. And of course, we know the wind was howling that day too. So that certainly didn't help matters, but he struggled. I think that's the big question here on Saturday is that I would be shocked to see SDSU play almost exclusively cover zero. Are they going to mix in some blitzes? Of course they will. You know that, but they're going to make him do some reads. And one thing the Jacks have all the job of here in, in recent history is disguising things of showing one look and going to another. Okay, how does he handle that? Is he going to sit back there and look through two or three reads, or is he going to tuck and run? And then, of course, there's the flip side of that is, okay, great, you made him run. That's not exactly a win for the defense. He might be the fastest guy on the team, and he's a tough guy to tackle physically. So it's not like just by forcing him to run that you've won the battle necessarily, but I think that will be a very interesting game within the game, because certainly they hit Sam Houston in the mouth early, and there's the remarkable part. You look back, and they threw on nine of their first 17 snaps. They only threw three times the rest of the game, Kevin. I mean, they threw early and often, got that lead, and then just used that running game, and Sam Houston had no answers. So how SDSU was able to force Malat into reads or how Malat's able to counter that, I think goes a long way to deciding how this game ends up. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Tyler, thanks for being here. Looking forward to seeing you in Bozeman on Saturday. I know you won't have a lot of time, but I am going to stick my head in that booth. Now, looking forward to it, Kevin. It's always fun. It should be a great game. FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the pick segment where Chris and I will pick the games taking place this week, the national semifinal of the FCS playoffs and the Celebration Bowl. Up first, number three, James Madison is at number two, North Dakota State, 9.15 p.m. kickoff Friday night on ESPN2. 
A wise man told me years ago to never pick against the Bison and Fargo, and I have made that mistake enough. I'm going to take North Dakota State here. I can see either team winning, but the defense has played so darn well, and I think they can do enough on offense with the rushing attack. I don't think it's going to be uh, a blowout either way, by the way, and I, and I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I like North Dakota State to win this one in a tight, low-scoring game. Give me the Bison, 19 to 17. Boy, this is going to be a good one. The Dukes come into Fargo Dome just like butter because they're on a roll, y'all. They totally dismantled the Montana Grizzlies in Harrisonburg one week ago. Quarterback Cole Johnson is efficient in the passing game. He doesn't make many mistakes. The JMU running game seems to be back with Latrell Palmer leading the way. The Bison... When you look at the score, you would think they dominated ETSU last week, and in some ways they did, but this was a very physical football game. A lot of Bison went off the field, including the starting center. We'll see if he'll be back this week. Tough to lose offensive linemen this late in the year. But the one thing that I was very impressed with what the Bison did was how their secondary played. They were like a blanket over the Buccaneers, who have some players at the receiver position, y'all. They didn't do this against Valpo. ETSU has some guys who can go catch the ball. Cam Miller got the ball to guys when they were open, and the Bison rushing attack was the Bison rushing attack. This game will be one up front like almost all of them are, and NDSU still has the best groups of linemen of anybody in the FCS. Take the Bison at home to advance at a national championship over James Madison 28-24. South Dakota State is at the number 8 seed Montana State at 2 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on ESPN2. You can look at South Dakota State a couple of different ways. One, they were just two plays away from being a high top seed, you know, maybe one or two seed even, uh, except for those uh, late game heroics from South Dakota and then also against Southern Illinois. But if you look back on the season, it's an entirety. And even the playoffs, they've played a lot of close games. They haven't dominated that many teams. I mean, Davis, you can make a case for that. But some funny things happened in the Davis game. Davis scored some points, first of all. And then they had some injury problems themselves in South Dakota State ran away and hid in the third quarter. So I don't think South Dakota State is as good as perhaps some people are making them out to be. I think that the Cats are going to come out. They're going to have make sure Tommy Millad is not put in a position to make bad throws and to turn the ball over. If that happens, I think the Cats have enough defense to win this game. In fact, I think they will. So give me the Montana State Bobcats to make their first appearance in the national championship game since they won it all in 1984. And if they can get there, interesting tidbit, I was nine years old and that national championship game was at Johnson Haygood Stadium in Charleston, South Carolina on the campus of the Citadel. And albeit sold at Bobcat Stadium in Bozeman on Saturday. And to say I'm excited is an understatement, y'all. Uh, maybe I'm their good luck charm. We'll have to see. But the Bobcats seem to have caught lightning in a bottle with freshman quarterback Tommy Malone. He proved last week that he can be a legitimate threat at this level to throw the ball down the field. I think everybody knew he could run it. I mean, it wasn't hard to find Butte Bulldogs tape on YouTube. Tommy Mallott was a fine quarterback for them in high school. The Cats' defense is a little banged up, but if I know anything about those Montana boys that are the walking wounded on that side of the ball led by Troy Anderson, they'll be out there unless the staff hides their helmets. The offense got a lot of attention with Mallott and Isaiah Infonse, but it's that defense that's carried the Cats all season. South Dakota State is such a deep team. 
team for this level, especially on the defensive line. The Jackrabbits run about 10 deep there. So do the Bobcats. Because of that depth, it's going to be difficult for either team to lean on each other in the running game. Somebody's going to have to make a play in the passing game. On offense for the Jackrabbits, lean on Pierre Strong Jr. and Isaiah Davis. And when the Cats tap the box, then bang over the top to one of the Yankee twins and it's six points and strike up the band. This will be a close and very physical game that I believe the Jackrabbits will win 23-21. to The pick segment will roll on right after these messages from the NCAA. In the NCAA Division I Football Championship Subdivision, the game is played with perseverance, integrity, passion, character, and sportsmanship as he works to honor the game and respect his teammates, opponents, officials, and fans. Every FCS player grows in his responsibilities as a student-athlete and as a member of his campus and community. The NCAA Division I Football Championship Subdivision. Every down, every day. In the Division I Football Championship Subdivision, the name of the game is outsmart, outhustle, outscore. But in the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I Football Championship Subdivision. It's more than a game. The Celebration Bowl, South Carolina State versus Jackson State from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. I love what's happened at Jackson State. They seem to be doing things right. We've had some news today on their recruiting, which is pretty exciting, and their defense is superior. So I like Jackson State Tigers to win this game 27-7. to This is a very interesting matchup. Old school, not flashy, Buddy Pugh, South Carolina State Bulldog football versus new school, Deion Sanders, Jackson State Tigers football. I've said it before and I'll say it again. No head football coach in the Palmetto State is more respected than Buddy Pugh, not Dabo Swinney and not whoever's coaching the Gamecocks. And that's just a fact. The Bulldogs defense, and it's a good one, must make Sanders uncomfortable in the pocket and get off the blocks in the running game. I believe that Coach Pugh will have a little something schematically that will confuse the Tigers and that the Sacramento State Bulldogs will win the Celebration Bowl 27 to 24. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Chris Callum. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. I'd like to thank our guest today, Mr. Tyler Merriam, play-by-play voice for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, and Mr. Zach Mackey, the play-by-play voice for the Montana State Bobcats. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. like to invite you all right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network, where we'll preview the national championship game and we'll have some interviews with some of the new head coaches that have been hired recently. On behalf of all those good people, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.